Luke chapter 10, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. So this was an average day for Jesus. He was a rabbi or teacher, and he was often walking with crowds, teaching them the scriptures. And on this day, all of a sudden, this expert in the law, this lawyer, this religious man asked Jesus this question. And now this might seem really awkward for you and I in our culture, but in Jesus's culture, this was a normative practice. This lawyer asking this question was very normal in this culture because a rabbi would often take questions from his audience, from the crowd, and he would answer them. And so this lawyer asked this question, what must I do to obtain eternal life? How do I get to the kingdom of God? And so Jesus responds to this man's question. He says, what do the scriptures say? Now you have to understand this was a great question. In fact, it might even be a question that you have today. How do I get to Jesus? How do I get to the kingdom of God? But you have to understand this question was really good, but it came with really improper motives. You see, this lawyer wanted to test Jesus. He wanted to trick him. And so Jesus responds, he says, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And you can imagine this lawyer, this was his moment. This was his chance to shine. He probably puffed out his chest and said, well, the law says to love God with everything and to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus actually commends his answer. He says, great job, but do this and you will live. You see, Jesus penetrates his heart and says, you've actually got to act on what you know. You have to live it out. And what Jesus said made this lawyer defensive. It struck a chord in his heart because this lawyer wanted to keep the conversation in the philosophical, but Jesus made it really practical. He simply said, it's great that you know that, but now you have to live it. And so in defense mode, this lawyer asks a second question. Verse 29, he says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So as this lawyer hears Jesus's response, he tries to justify himself, defend himself by asking a secondary question. He says to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor, Jesus? And Jesus responds to his question by telling a story. So Jesus answers this lawyer's question by telling him a story. He tells of a man walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now this road that I'm on here today, it descends about 3,000 feet and is about 17 miles long. And so this man is traveling on this road and you can easily picture how robbers could hide in these sheer cliffs, these twisty corners and these edges of the side of the road. And that's exactly what happens. These robbers, as this man is traveling down the road, they attack him. They take his stuff and they beat him up. 
and he's left on the side of the road to die. And if no one intervenes on his behalf, he's gonna die. If no one meets his needs, his life is over. And so Jesus continues this story. Verse 31, it says, a priest happened to be going down the same road. Now the crowd probably listening to this story was like, yes, a priest has arrived. Surely he's going to be the one to help this man. Jesus continues, he says, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, Yet again, the crowd said, okay, the priest was busy. He has responsibilities, but surely the Levite is going to be the man to meet his needs. He saw him and passed by on the other side. So both a Levite and a priest see the man, they see his wounds, but yet they walk on by. And so as this expert in the law is listening to this story, he's wondering, how could these two men go on by? These were two men that this lawyer could relate to, maybe even two men that he aspired to be like. And so how could Jesus take these two good men in society, these religious men, and make them and turn them into the bad guys? You know, when I read this story, which I have done hundreds of times, I often find myself judging the priest and the Levite, wondering how could two religious men who knew the Bible, who knew the Old Testament, see a man in need and just continue on? Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. These should be good men, and good men would help someone in need. But yet then I'm convicted, because how many times in my own life, in my own culture and setting, do I do the exact same thing? How many times when we drive down the streets of Rochester, see people in need, and yet we just continue on our day? I would bet probably for the vast majority of us, almost every single day we see needs. And yet we're too busy. We have too many things going on to stop and meet a need. But yet Jesus is about ready to flip this story upside down. And he does it with three words. He says, but a Samaritan. Now we read this phrase and I don't think we understand what's behind it. Because as this lawyer is listening, that word Samaritan caused some angst in his heart. Because we don't get the hatred that was between Jews and Samaritans. The anger and the, the bitterness and the exact hatred ran deep. And for Jesus to have the audacity to make the Samaritan the hero must have drove this lawyer crazy. He was probably furious as he's listening to this story. You can almost see him clenching his fist in anger, gritting his teeth because he couldn't believe that Jesus would actually make his enemy, his foe, the good guy. But Jesus continues, he says, the Samaritan took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and I will return 
I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And not only does Jesus make the Samaritan the good guy, but he goes to extensive detail to honor this Samaritan man. He says to the expert in the law that he actually stopped and he took out expensive oil and wine and he slowly bandaged this man's wounds. He elevated him on to a place of honor, putting him on his donkey. He traveled him to an inn and he paid days wages for him to stay there, knowing it probably would cost more. It's amazing the detail that Jesus gives about this Samaritan to honor him. And you can imagine this expert in the law is probably furious, growing increasingly more angry as the story goes on. And then Jesus looks at him and he asks him this question. Which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? I love this question because if you go back to the second question that this lawyer asked Jesus to test him, it was, who is my neighbor? And notice Jesus doesn't answer the question for him, but yet he asks the same question to this lawyer. He puts the onus on him to answer his own question. You can imagine maybe even a pause of silence, awkwardness as this lawyer is caught off guard. He backtracks and then he answers. He says, the one who had mercy on him. Don't miss this in the text. He can't even get himself to the place where he says the Samaritan. The hatred and the angst ran that deep that he couldn't even utter the words to honor the Samaritan man. So Jesus looks back at him and he says, go and do likewise. This was the second time Jesus said those words to this lawyer because Jesus could see right into his heart. Jesus could see that this lawyer knew all the right answers to all the questions that he was asking. But when Jesus took a glimpse into his heart, he saw he knew the right answer, but yet he wasn't living out those answers. He saw that he had the head knowledge, but that knowledge in his head hadn't transferred into his heart. And so Jesus says, you need to learn not to just know the answer, but to actually do the answer, to act on it, to live it out. And what Jesus does in this story, not just for this lawyer, but for you and I today, thousands of years later, as he defines, he gives us the answer to the question that at some level we all ask, who is my neighbor? And Jesus defines it for us in this story. He says, your neighbor in 2020 is a person that you see who is in need. What Jesus does is he gives absolutely no one an excuse to the audience he was speaking to and to us today that when we see a need, the love of Christ doesn't just watch and pass by, but when we see a need, the love of Christ living in us intervenes. It's love with action. You know, I, I believe too many Christians today, we know all the right answers. We have all the head knowledge we need. But do we actually live that out in our daily lives? You see, man, I think I can relate way too much to this expert in the law. I grew up with my Bible. I know what it says. But how often do I do what it says? Jesus' words to him was, go 
and do likewise. And man, in this story, it just reveals to you and I the love of Jesus. What we see highlighted in this story called the Good Samaritan is the love of Jesus Christ. That you and I are the ones lying on the side of the road. You and I are the ones who are in desperate need because our sin put us there. And yet Jesus' love looked past our wounds and our dysfunction and loved us anyway to intervene on our behalf. And what this story reveals is how much God loves you and how much He loves me. You see this unfiltered love that doesn't look at the person on the side of the road and care whether they're rich or poor, whether what color they are, what culture they are, what ethnicity they are, but they just see the need. And because there's a need, the power and the love of Christ living in us has to intervene. That's what I'd ask you today. I'd ask me today, what does your love look like? Does your love compel you to meet the needs that you see every single day? You know, the Bible actually says the way people who are far from God will actually know who the Christians are is by the way we love. And what Jesus gives this crowd and this expert in the law and you and I today a glimpse of is his love. That his love is unfiltered. That it doesn't care who you are, where you came from, See, the great news today for you and I is that Jesus loves us and His love is not hindered by anything. His love is unrelenting and His love is unfiltered. Have you ever been in a helpless situation? I mean, you were so vulnerable and so helpless that you couldn't actually be the solution to the circumstances you faced. You know, maybe it looked as simple as this. You were driving down the road and you made a couple wrong turns. I mean, not that you would ever do that, right? Especially us as men, we always know where we're going. But let's just say you, you made a couple wrong turns and the problem is, is you're kind of in the middle of nowhere. You've got no cell service and so your navigation can't save you and so you have to like drop your pride, you have to like lower yourself and go to that gas station or go to that convenience store and you gotta rely on somebody else's guidance to get you where you want to go. Or maybe it was a little more serious than that. Maybe you had a medical emergency where you were rushed to the hospital and you know what, you realized that there was nothing you could do to fix your, your health and so you had to rely on surgeons and doctors to intervene in your helpless situation. You know, I, I think at some level we can all relate to feeling a little bit vulnerable and helpless, especially in our current predicament the circumstances that not only our country, but our world faces right now. Because as this virus spreads, I mean, we all kind of feel a little bit helpless. 
It's beyond our control, and, and we really feel like there's really not a whole lot we can do to fix the problem. And that's exactly the, the scene of the story that Jesus tells this lawyer. There's this man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho on this windy, rocky road, and robbers catch him off guard. They beat him, they steal all his stuff, and they leave him on the side of the road to die. And through this story, I want to look at three unique perspectives, three different people in the story that I believe God uses to teach us multiple lessons, a story told thousands of years ago that actually can penetrate our lives in our circumstances today. And so we're going to look at three characters or people in this story, and we're going to learn the lessons that they learned. The first one is the lawyer. This is the snarky theologian who asked Jesus some really pointed questions. And what's, interested, uh, what's interesting about this lawyer is as he asked these questions, Jesus is getting ready through his questions to teach him a lesson. And he's going to teach him a lesson on a word that we often use on a regular basis. It's a word that our culture loves to sing about, write about. It's the word love. And man, love is a, a, a funny word, right? It's a word that, man, we, we use in our everyday language, but yet very few of us really fully understand what love is. And Jesus teaches this really smart theologian a lesson on love. And it's not a deep one. It's not a philosophical one. It's actually a really practical one. You see, the lesson he's getting ready to learn is just two words. Love does. You see, the problem with this lawyer was he asked really good questions, questions that maybe some of you are asking right now, but he asked them with really improper motives. He wanted to trick Jesus. He wanted Jesus to make, he wanted Jesus to look like a fool. And, and his problem was, is he wanted to make everything that was simple and practical really complicated. And Jesus, as he hears his questions, he takes this really genius of a man, this Bible scholar, this theologian, and he takes him out of the complex, he takes him out of the deep, and he brings him down to the practical. And notice what Jesus says to him multiple times. He says this in Luke chapter 10. He says, do this and you will live. You see, Jesus knew that this lawyer knew all the answers to the questions he was asking. He wasn't asking questions that he didn't know. He was asking questions that he already knew in his head. But the problem was, and Jesus saw it, is he had all the knowledge, but yet he didn't live it out. He knew what he was supposed to do, but yet he didn't do it. That's why Jesus over and over again told him to do this, act on this. You see, love is, is not just about defining it. It's not about knowing all the right answers to the test. It's actually living them out. And here's what you're missing, Mr. Lawyer. You see, we do this all the time. We like to make things that are really simple and practical, complex. It's a trap that we fall into in Christianity and following Jesus. You see, it's as simple as a question that you might have asked, right? How do I grow spiritually? You know, as we walk with Jesus, this is a regular question that we might be asking. How do I, how do I know I'm growing in my faith? And honestly, the answer to that question is really simple. Man, read your Bible. Spend time in prayer, build your relationship with Jesus. But what we often do is much like the lawyer. 
We try to live in some deep theological word. We try to make a simple, practical answer really complex, and yet we miss out on the things that God wants us to do. And man, how many of us are just like this lawyer? You know, let me ask you a question this morning. Do you claim the love of Jesus but neglect to live it out? Do you claim all that Jesus is and all that he gives to you, his grace and his mercy and his love, but yet you've neglected, you've you've soaked those things in, but you've failed to actually give them to other people? You see, the crushing blow for this lawyer was when Jesus honored his enemy and actually said that he was doing a better job of living like Jesus than this really smart, theological, religious man. I mean, these are Jesus' words, John chapter 13. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, Jesus made it really clear and really practical. It wasn't deep. It wasn't hard to figure out. He said, hey, this is the indicator. This is the evidence that you're a child of God, that you follow Jesus, that you're one of my disciples. It's really simple. It's really practical. It's not about knowing things. It's not about having all the theological doctrinal answers correct. It is actually about loving one another, showing the world, showing people my love. You see, this lawyer learned a really simple lesson. It was that love is an action. Love is a movement. Love does. But yet there's a second perspective I want to look at. The second perspective of the hero of the story. This is the good Samaritan. This is the man who, while he's walking down the road, sees a a man desperate in need and actually intervenes. And it's through this perspective that God actually taught the lawyer his lesson. But as we gaze upon the vantage point of the Good Samaritan, I think God teaches us a second lesson. And through the Good Samaritan, as we see the world through his eyes and the story through his eyes, what God teaches us is that we need to learn to expand our definition of neighbor. We need to learn that, man, when we see a need, just like this Good Samaritan, when we see someone who needs us, who's vulnerable, who's helpless, the love of Christ does, the love of Christ living in us responds to that. You see, the hard question about love and who is my neighbor is who do we actually and who are we responsible for loving? And Jesus answers that question for us. He says, your neighbor, the person you're supposed to love, is anybody who is in need. Now, man, that that can be overwhelming, right? Like, I'm supposed to respond to every need that I see every single day. And honestly, from this story, I wish I could give you and myself an excuse to get around that. But no, Jesus makes it really clear. Your neighbor is whoever is in need. Those are the, that, if you love Christ, that love responds to those needs. But here's the problem. For many of us, the problem is, is we have filters on our love. We're much like the priest or the Levite who walked down that same road. And what they did is they saw a man who was in need and they allowed their filters to justify, to give them a good excuse, maybe it was busyness or or schedule or things more important to continue down the road. And you know what? Many of us are so much like those two. We have filters to our love. And I I ask you this, what is filtering who you love? What is filtering the people that you see in need who you have reasons or excuses to justify the reason why you walk on by? 
You know, maybe for you today, it's just as simple as time or busyness, right? You see needs, but you're busy. Like you got work and kids' schedules and your hobbies and all of this thing. You have a hard enough time figuring out your own schedule, let alone enough time to respond to the needs that are in front of you. Like you would love to help people, you just don't have time. Or maybe it's expense, right? Like the cost. Like, Drew, you don't get it. If I helped everybody, I would be bankrupt. Like, how in the world can I help every need that I see? Like, this is way too expensive. Or maybe it's, honestly, it's, it's race or ethnicity. Like, you see somebody who's different than you, and maybe you don't feel safe, or it's awkward or weird, and so you just kind of walk on by. Or here's a big one. Maybe you look at somebody, and based off your stereotypes, you just say these words. You know what? They made their bed. They might as well sleep in it. You see, for so many of us, we have filters to who we love and when we love. But when I look at Jesus, and when I look at this story from the perspective of the Good Samaritan, you know what I don't see is filters. Their love was unfiltered. If anybody had a reason to walk on by, it was the Good Samaritan, because guess what? He stopped and helped his mortal enemy. A man who he probably couldn't stand. He hated their race. But yet he stopped anyway. Why? Because he didn't have a filter or an excuse not to love somebody who was in need. And man, if there is ever a time where we see needs, it's right now. I mean, this virus all throughout our country and our world, you know what it's done? It's created so many needs. I mean, I would bet that your neighbors, that the people you, you know really regularly have needs all around you. They have needs for hope and encouragement. They, they have needs for financially for food or for a place to stay. I mean, there are needs everywhere. And my hope and my prayer for this message in this series, is, it's, it's kind of a turning point for us. But you know, so far in, in, in this disaster, this craziness of life, what we often do at first is we look inward. We look at our worries and our anxieties and our needs, and that makes sense. But maybe today for you and I, it's a, a chance for us to actually look outward now as the church and to see the needs that are all around us and respond to them. And can I just say for a second, I am so proud of our church. I'm so proud to call Northridge Church my church, the place where I worship along with all of you. Because to see you guys respond to really hard times, to see you love people the way that Christ loves has been amazing. And I'm challenging you today, if you're consumed with your worry and your anxiety, one of the best ways to diminish those things is to see the needs around you and to serve and to love somebody. How do we do that? How do we live like the Good Samaritan? Well, I think it's really honestly as simple as something that we're teaching your kids in High Point right now. We learn to love our neighbors as ourselves. We learn to relate and identify with the person who is in need. You see, look what the Bible says, Luke chapter six, verse 31. This is a great uh, verse to share with your kids, to, to walk them through. Here's what, here's what it says. It says, do to others as you would have them do to you. You see, here's what we need to learn to do. When we see a need, we actually put ourselves in 
that person's shoes. We identify with them because when we can relate to the person who is in need, it actually shows us how we must respond. Because when you get their problem, when you put yourself in their shoes, you feel what they feel, and it almost demands you to respond. It almost demands you to intervene. And the Bible calls us to love people as we would want to be loved, to treat them, to care for them, to intervene as we would want someone to intervene for ourselves. I mean, this is hard to do, it's difficult, but it's what God calls us to. And so we learn the first lesson from this religious lawyer that love is action, it's movement, love does. The second lesson that we learn is that we got to expand our definition of neighbor to respond to the, the needs that are in front of us, to love people like we would lo love to be loved. But there's a third perspective that we often forget in this story, a, a third perspective or vantage point that we often never look through because we're so busy looking at the Good Samaritan or the lawyer or the Levite or the priest. But the third perspective is actually the perspective of the victim. This is the person who is walking down the road and who is beaten and who is robbed and is actually left on the side of the road. And if someone doesn't intervene, they're gonna die. They're so vulnerable and so helpless that they actually aren't strong enough, that their wounds are so great that they can't pick themselves up and walk for help. They are completely dependent and reliant on someone to intervene. And here's the hard news to hear, because I don't like to hear it and I'm sure you won't, is this is actually the perspective of the story that you and I relate best to. Because the victim is us. That is who we are in this story, as Jesus tells it. You see, there's something bigger going on in this story than just Jesus teaching us love does, and we need to expand our, our definition of neighbor. You see, Jesus is getting ready to show everybody, you watching online, the crowd listening to the story of how much he loves you. And you see, we are the victim on the side of the road. And, and we're not a victim of anybody else but our own choices. We're a victim of our choice to disobey and to rebel against God. We're a victim of our own sin. Because here's what sin does, is sin steals from you. It robs you, it cheats you, it beats you up, and it leaves you damaged on the side of the road. And if someone doesn't intervene, you're a goner. You don't have the power to get up from your sin. You don't have the strength, the wisdom, or the might to save yourself. And you and I are completely reliant on someone else saving us. And here's the lesson that we learn from the victim is that Jesus is our Samaritan. That Jesus, as he traveled down that same road and he saw you and I on the side of the road, helpless, vulnerable, in need, he didn't walk on by. I mean, he could have easily had filters, right? He could have easily said, nah, this is going to cost me too much. Like, I don't feel like dying on a cross. I don't feel like being humiliated. I don't feel like the pain and the agony that this is going to cost me. So I'll just keep on going. He could have easily said, you know what? They made their bed. Why don't I let them sleep in it? They chose to rebel against me. They chose to spit in my face. They chose sin. So I'll just let them stay in their choices. 
But what we see about Jesus in this story is his unrelenting, ridiculous, unfiltered love for us. His love for you and his love for me. That he was willing to stop on that road. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, that while we were on the road in rebellion to God, enemies of God, running away from God, when we didn't want God, God wanted us. And he stopped on that road and he picked us up from that ground and him picking us up would take him to a cross where he would spread his arms wide and he would be full of agony and tears and he would surrender his life so you and I could have it. And then three days later, he gave us the victory when he defeated death and he gave us the power and the ability through him to get up off that road and conquer our sin. You see, that's what this story is about. It's about the love of Jesus that saved a wretch like me, that he was and is my rescuer and my redeemer and my savior. He's my good Samaritan. And so today I really have two challenges for you. And really my question in our, my challenges is how will you respond to that truth? You see, for those of you who are Christians today, you claim the name of Jesus Christ. He's picked you up off that road. He's your forgiver and he's your savior. Here's my challenge to you as Christians. Man, many of you today, you know what the Bible says. You have all the head knowledge that you need and my challenge is that you would start living it out. That love, it wouldn't just be a definition in your head, but that you would expand your horizons, that you would expand your definition of what, how to respond to people in need, and you wouldn't just see needs in our cities, in our communities, in our world, and walk on by, but that the love of Christ that you know that has been given to you freely would just demand you and compel you to respond to those needs, that you would love people in need like you would love yourself. Man, would we be a church that rises up in the midst of the needs in our city and in our country, and would we find a way to meet them? Because love does. But you know what, maybe you're here today watching and you, you, you don't know Jesus as your personal savior. Maybe you have doubts about this whole religious thing or you, you got doubts about, does Jesus really love me or can I trust him? And maybe honestly, right now you're watching a church service. This is kind of crazy for you, but in the midst of all this, you're searching for hope. You're searching for something bigger. And can I tell you today, you found it in Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, here's the bad news is you're actually still laying on the side of that road, helpless and vulnerable, but you don't have to. You don't have to stay there because God's love gives you a way out, that he loved you enough to give up his one and only son to die for you. And if you would just choose to believe in him, to believe in what he accomplished for you through his death and his resurrection, that he gives you life and he gives you life and he will give it to you the fullest. So I want to give you a chance to respond to that. I want to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus. So everybody watching, if you would just close your eyes and bow your head right now. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you're a follower of Christ, man, I would challenge you to practically live out this message right now. 
that you would just pray for the people who are gonna make a decision right now to follow Jesus, that the Spirit would draw them to them, himself, that, that they would make that decision, that you would pray boldly and courageously for them right now. And if you are here today and you wanna give your life to Jesus, you wanna surrender to his love, you wanna experience it for the first time, here's what I challenge you to do. Just say these words, they're not magical. It's not some crazy recipe, it's just a cry of your heart. Would you say, God, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin has stolen from me. I know my sin has left me in a helpless situation where I can't defeat it. And so right now, God, I'm begging you to be my savior. I, I'm, I'm believing in your work on that cross and I'm believing that you rose again from the dead to save a wretch like me. So I'm choosing you, come into my life, God. Change me from the inside out. I'm turning from my sin and I'm declaring today that you are my forgiver and that you are my leader. Man, if you said that prayer and you meant it with your heart, here's my challenge. It's really simple, but it's practical. Would you tell somebody? It can be your best friend, it can be your community group leader, it can be maybe a campus pastor, or actually, I'm gonna make it really simple for you. If you don't know who to tell, I'm gonna put some on the screen right now, I'm gonna put some information. Would you just tell our church or would you tell me? You'll notice on the screen that there is a couple emails and a couple uh, social media accounts. And so if you wanna tell our church, just email our church or send them a message through social media. If you're watching online and you're, you're chatting right now, just tell the chat, say, hey, I said that prayer. Or man, if you feel connected to me and you wanna let me know, man, I would be honored to celebrate with you. You know, one of the best things that happened to me last week was eight people last Sunday and Monday Eight people said yes to Jesus, and it was my privilege to send them a Bible and some resources to grow in their faith. And if that's you and you said that prayer and you want a Bible or you need some resources to understand who God is, you email me now and I will send you those resources. It would be my honor. Tell someone you, may, you said that prayer. Let me pray for us all. God, you are so good. God, that you are so good that you can take what the enemy meant to hurt and to kill and to destroy, and you can flip that script and you can use those things to make good out of them. That is the story of the gospel, that while we were sinners, God, in the midst of our sin, lying on the road, getting ready to die, you saved us. You rescued us. And God, I pray for that person who said yes to you today, that you would surround them with people who will love them, a community that will guide them and lead them to you, that we would just walk with them as they follow you. God, I pray for our church that as we see needs, we wouldn't walk by, but we would respond through the love of Christ that is in us, that it would compel us to look different and act different, and they, the world, would know who we are by how we love. Thank you for loving us first, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, I wanna thank you again for just jumping uh, here and watching our services. Man, we're honored to have you. And man, we wanna connect with you. We wanna know who you are. And not so we can get your information, but so we can serve you and love you and care for you. 
And so, man, if you've got prayer requests or you have needs, let us know. And the best way you can let us know is if you go to that Connect tab and you just click that and fill out that information. Let us know how we can pray for you. Let us know what needs you might have. Or if you just want to get plugged into a group, we are here for you. Another thing that we often don't like to talk about is the only way we're able to do this, the only way we're able to stream a service or the only way we're able to meet the needs of our community and our city is because of the generosity of our church. And can I just say thank you to all the people who have been so generous and maybe you've never given or maybe you want to give. It's as simple as this. You just grab your cell phone and text Northridge to 77977. We would be honored to partner with you to love our community to bring the gospel to our city and to the world. Man, if you wanna be a part of that, just text Northridge to 77977. One thing I gotta make you aware of as we continue in this series next week uh, is we're gonna do something kinda unique and special. Um, next week, we're, we're kinda walking into Easter Sunday and we're gonna prepare for that. And one way we're gonna do that is we're gonna take communion together. And so I wanna challenge you to grab some supplies this week some crackers and some juice, because as a church over thousands of different locations, we're gonna celebrate what Jesus did for us on that cross. And so make sure you grab those supplies. They're ready for next Sunday as we celebrate uh, what Jesus accomplished for us. As we leave here today, we got some questions on the screen that you can think about. We hope you have a fantastic day. We will see you back next week.